This podcast is brought to you by Central, helping schools work smart. Hello, I'm Colin Klupik, and you're listening to Central Station, where I talk with a diverse range of people committed to making a positive impact on education. You can subscribe to these interviews wherever you get your podcasts, and to keep in touch, you can join us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Brad Fuller is the music director at Northern Beaches Christian School in Sydney and is also a PhD candidate at Sydney University. In his career as a music educator, he was there when computers made their first real entry into mainstream education. Although the ride hasn't always been that easy, the evolution of technology has made things possible now that we could have only dreamed of in years past. It's not just new technology, but new types of music as well. And really, when it comes to technology, did any of us really know what to expect? Looking back over the last 20 or 30 years, you would have been around in education before computers were widely available in the classroom. Uh, That almost seems impossible to think about these days, but did you have any sense at all of what was coming? I had a hope for what might come. I had a need. I've spent uh, many nights lying in bed, sending out the vibes to developers and and manufacturers. Uh, (laughs) Here's what I need. Dear universe, here's what I need. Please send it. And turns out, uh, it's happened. It's a very existential approach of yours, Brad. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, but, well, given that I'm not in software or hardware manufacture, I feel like it's my only option. Well, I guess these days, though, I, I have the opportunity often to speak with software developers and, uh, and music instrument manufacturers. So... I guess uh, I've moved from that existential. Well, I still, whilst I still send out the vibes in the nighttime, I do now have the opportunity to actually talk with people who can make those products. So, uh, so, so that's that's been my my journey. But yeah, absolutely. I, I think rather than getting a sense of what was to come, I had I had a need. I could I could see a need in the classroom. And so was uh, this was this related to. The fact that you are already using, if I could, it's a little bit of a, a, a crude description, but you were already using electronic instruments and you had things that plugged into power. And, and I guess there was this thing where, well, if I can plug this into power and there's this thing like a computer coming, should there be some kind of a relationship between these? I think very. I'm very much an if this, then that musician. And I, I think that's exactly right. Once, uh, as an electric bassist, I have to plug in. And then one thing leads to another. So you think, I have to plug this into this doohickey, and then that doohickey's got to plug into this. And it'd be really good if I could make adjustments here, so I'll need that gadget. And before you know it, you have to know a great deal about a great deal of things. Uh, Whereas I think if you're an acoustic musician, it begins and ends. It can, if you wish. That's, That's it. So, uh, yeah, I think that's definitely that's very perceptive, Colin. That's <laughs> that's been my journey. I had to plug in. I had I had no choice but to engage with the technology. And I think for some musicians, uh, it it stops at the amplifier, and then they're happy. Similar to I guess acoustic musicians, who are happy for the engineer to place the microphone in front of them. I my personality wouldn't allow that. I needed to know 
what was happening next. So no doubt then you had a somewhat of an awakening moment. I'm, I'm assuming you, I can just picture you sitting there with your musical instrument, with your electric bass, surrounded by cables. You've just managed to plug it into the computer and then your, your head just comes up and you look out and you think, what about all of my students? What does this mean for them? And so suddenly the scope widens out massively and then you think, did, or did you have some kind of uh, uh, vision of... A, a room full of computers or a, was it a room of connectivity or I mean how, how would you describe what you originally thought you might see so that was a if this then that experience again uh, I, I happened to get into education my pathway into into music education was as a, a an instrumental tutor initially and I happened to start that at pretty much the exact time that the 486 computer was invented and the CD-ROM drive and multimedia speakers came into play. And around that time, there was a, a company that developed software that allowed you to notate uh, on the computer and the dot matrix printer made way for for the inkjet. <laughs> the dot matrix printer, which was arguably almost a musical instrument of itself. Indeed. <laughs> uh, and so I was, uh, as a beginning educator, so I'd, I'd done my training as a classroom music teacher, and so I had some pedagogy under my belt. And I, I distinctly remember uh, when that computer was released, uh, the 486, I knew that that was the game changer. It's a computer with sound, so it was it was uh, it was a, a device that allowed you to hear sound, but also to make sound. And so the first step for me was I noticed couldn't help but notice when I was doing my my bass guitar lessons that I was writing the same thing for my students over and over. So my first big idea was, hey, what if I got this software that allows you to print music and learn how to use that, and then I could just give handouts to my students and we could save time with the students sitting there quietly watching me write scales and such out. Uh, instead of doing that, we could play music. So that was the first big revolution, I think, where technology changed my teaching. So this was never really for you an add-on kind of thing. This was already, right from the beginning, this was starting to fundamentally change your views of how you could do things. Yes, yeah, I uh, I think when I started, the MIDI file was was king, and so MIDI file allowed you to uh, plug in a uh, a musical keyboard into your computer, and it could record the notes as ones and zeros, uh, and so I got heavily into that uh, immediately on floppy disk. Uh, <laughs> that must have been the, just been like magic. It was unbelievable. It was absolutely unbelievable. And then when the CD-ROM drive came along, uh, that was an absolute game changer as well. So for me, uh, the computer and teaching were a simultaneous thing. So I, I think I got, I got a – my conception of teaching uh, was a with-computer conception – Look, just before we get too much further down the track on that, uh, even back then, when I mean, you talk about 486 computers, I can, I can remember when I purchased my first 386 computer and I thought that was pretty special. And 
I remember at the time it was very, very expensive. Now, when you multiply that factor out through, uh, say, a, an entire class and then maybe through an entire school or even an entire system, we're suddenly starting to talk about quickly escalating costs. Um, have you found that this creates um, certain divides? Does it does it create uh, problems uh, alongside of its opportunities? And how do you go about handling that? Well, I think it's the mother of invention, necessity and scarcity. Uh, so I started when computers were one-to-one, but that was one computer to one classroom uh, rather than the, what we come to think of now as the one computer to one student. Uh, and that's all we knew, right? And so I think at that point, uh, the idea was disseminate through printing. So to have access to uh, an inkjet printer was revolutionary. Uh, and so at that point, for me, it was all about desktop publishing. But I realized very quickly that, well, well then, so I was, once I got into desktop publishing, because I had a, I had my own inkjet printer, uh, I, that was, that relieved some friction. But then I also realized that the students had to physically be present. And once the handout went out, uh, you would have to retrieve them and say, hey, I made a spelling error on the third page, could everyone hand their <laughs> printouts back? <laughs> I'll adjust that. And so, so at that point, once I started handing out handouts, I, I realized that I was, a, I was a blockage because the students had to come to class and I had to make the handout. And then as we were working, if I thought, gee, this handout hasn't quite hit the mark, then I'd have to say, all right, everybody hand back the handout and I'll redo it and hand it back to you. Oh, but Sally's away, so she's got the wrong version. And I realized straight up that uh, being able to innovate was going to be a real problem, and version control was horrible. Uh, and I was in black and white. And how how do you show the Sistine Chapel properly? And paper can't doesn't have any sound. So I wanted to be talking about music but the paper didn't have any sound. So how could how could the people hear the music from these inkjet printouts? <laughs> so we had a version control issue. We had a, uh, it was a monomedia rather than a multimedia. And the uh, around the same time, I realized that uh, you had to come to class in order to hear the wave files that I had stored on our computer by transferring them from the CD. And so... I would lie in bed at night sending out vibes to the cosmos for, <laughs> for the internet. Yeah, the next major revolution. <laughs> so, and right then it happened. There, yeah, how about that? So uh, when, we, when computers in schools began to be networked, I got really excited about that. So I got, uh, I got deeply into the networked computer. Uh, and I, But still... The only time that students could be engaging with that was when they were in the the computer lab. So, do you think that when the uh, when networking came around and when the internet finally became, I guess, useful? I mean, it was a, it's been around for a long, long time, but useful in the way that we know it today has only been a reasonably recent thing. I guess we can then start to talk about technology actually 
enabling us to do things differently and enabling us to do things at a larger scale and with wider distribution and also therefore lowering some cost despite the fact that things are still reasonably expensive but given what we can do with it now the cost is relatively lower what kinds of things has this evolution enabled you to do what's I think there's two things for me. One is inertia and then it's close relative friction. And I think what I'm talking to you about this morning is inertia and friction in the classroom. And so uh, for me, the philosophy comes first and I'm trying to enable my students to follow their muse and for for my students to learn what what they need to learn when they need to learn it at the pace that is comfortable for them. And so so I think for me the the need has always been the driver and the technology has been the friction remover and the inertia uh, overcomer. <laughs> Until, of course, you reach that next point where you just want to go that little bit further and you have to send out a few more vibes. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah, so... Uh, I think you and I both. So, so the next, the next friction I think f- that we both uh, experienced was when laptops came on the scene. Yes, that was incredible because, as, as I've just, as I've just uh, intimated, it was really it became very clear very early on that cost was an issue. Cost was a massive issue and still continues to be a massive issue because you could only learn using the computer when you were at the computer, which happened to be on a desktop at school. Uh, And so I think the next big step uh, that we both experienced was the the laptop and the wireless internet. And there was masses of friction there, wasn't there? Because Uh, uh, because we've, if you're engaging in, uh, in technology and education, then you're always uh, on beta, essentially, you're you're on a not good enough yet product, uh, and so I think that's a ma- that's a that's a big part of being a teacher who use utilizes technology, isn't it? That at any given time, any device you're using isn't good enough yet. Yeah, because you're always just looking for that little bit of an edge, which is possibly why technology companies are always trying to fall over each other to release that device every year. So technology has has changed not only what happens in the classroom, um, but also the professional world. So, you know, we've we've gone from that age of, I mean, you mentioned before uh, CDs and CD-ROMs, and I remember going to music stores and buying CDs, and I don't think I ever really see music stores or CD stores anymore. Um, has it also changed the way we measure music success in the classroom? Uh, I think it has given us new ways to discover that success, new ways for students uh, to demonstrate their learning. And so, uh, for example, the ability to uh, record in the classroom rather than having to go to a recording studio. So for essentially anybody with an iPad or a laptop computer uh, and a microphone, well, the microphones are built in. That's it. You just need an iPad, uh, an iPhone, or a, or a computer, uh, and you have a recording studio. So that is uh, a massively revolutionary way for students to demonstrate their learning. So rather than 
uh, having all of your classmates gather around and, all right, Johnny, play the piano for us. Uh, Johnny can now play the piano whenever he likes into his iPhone uh, and play that, either share that uh, privately with his teacher or disseminate it via all sorts of means to uh, whomever he chooses. So I think that's a great example of uh, technology allowing students to demonstrate their learning in, in different ways that that might uh, enable new outcomes or might enable students to, f- to express themselves or to find a safe place. Uh, because we're, we're dealing with something that's very personal and very revealing as well. So to be able to demonstrate that, but and I guess instead of maybe for people who aren't comfortable handwriting or maybe don't have a great command of uh, written English, the ability to talk about or use multimedia to express uh, what you've learnt, I think is a fantastic uh, innovation. So I, th- I think that's probably the essence of what we're talking about when we talk about enabling technologies or when technology enables fundamentally new things in a subject, like music in your case. And um, it's my understanding that in the New South Wales curriculum, at least, there is one particular music course where reading music is not a prerequisite. Is that correct? That is correct. So yes. immediately I'm thinking, well, if someone had uh, a, uh, a musical desire or uh, felt musically inclined or wanted to express themselves and wanted to explore that, but, but felt quite nervous about the concept of reading and playing somebody else's dots, if I can put it that way, mm. then this would no doubt offer those people or those students uh, almost like an undiscovered country, as in, here, come and express yourself musically. Here's one particular, or here's just one device that you can put in your pocket, take home, use wherever you want to, and let's see what you can do with that. Yes, and I think we've seen uh, the technology has enabled a whole raft of new musics uh, not just new new ways of making music, but new music. And so uh, when I started there, well, I, I came up in the time where where uh, rapping became something that people could do. That was a new way of, of people expressing themselves. Uh, and then electronic music uh, has, has well, now that we can use computers to, as sound sources, uh, that has changed everything. There are new instruments that connect to computers with buttons and dials and switches. So there's a whole host of new opportunities for people who weren't traditionally attracted by violins, flutes and oboes and the dots, as you say. Uh, there's a, a whole new frontier for people to express themselves. Um, but at the same time, you could still be somebody who loves the oboe and the dots but you might also go out and DJ on the weekend. <laughs> or perhaps try to find some way of connecting your oboe to your device. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that is a great uh, a, a great challenge for the modern music educator or the modern educator. How do we, uh, how do we reconcile the traditional with the emerging? Mm. Now, we did talk uh, briefly, or we mentioned briefly uh, the... the <laughs> It's funny we say it this way, but the concept of the classroom, when you talk about your classroom, I wanted to ask you, and I know that in your particular case, this is a this is a large topic, but do you even think of your music space as a classroom anymore? No. 
Uh, I think if you want to be good at being in a class, so if you want your students to be good at being in a classroom, then you should have a classroom. But if you want your students to be musicians, then you should have a place where people can come to learn to be musicians. So we, we try to we try to make uh, and and I think about I, I hear lots of people talk about being inspired by architecture or by the environment. And so I just uh, my conception for the room that we come in to uh, create music is uh, a creative space, an inspirational space where you walk in and you feel like I could I could make music in here. So uh, perfect practice makes perfect is something we, we say in music. And so I think if you want your students to get really great at sitting quietly at desks, then you would host your music in a classroom. But if you want your students to be comfortable playing music on stage or in a recording studio, then that's what your music space should look like. And so you've arranged and designed and built your space entirely around that. Can you uh, briefly describe to me how the, uh, how the students respond to that? I mean, that's your view, but how, when they come in, do, do they go, oh, wow, this is amazing? Or do they go, oh, this is all a bit strange? Or do they go, no, I prefer a classroom? Yes, I've never heard anyone say I'd prefer a classroom. <laughs> I'm not surprised by that. But there's uh, there's also inflation. Uh, there's inflation because they uh, they can't. This is what they know as well, and they expect when they walk in. Uh, I think we've developed an environment where at least once a fortnight you'd expect uh, your music teachers to say, "Hey guys, somebody just released this new thing, and we got it." Check this video out. So just yesterday, we we watched three videos of this uh, three new pieces of software that we just purchased. Uh, that's it's cutting edge. It's it's incredible. And so we watch lots of product launch videos and say we got it. Let's get busy. <laughs> so that's you uh, keeping uh, an eye on the future there. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, so to be able to say to the students. You guys are the first people in the world to have this technology, to have this opportunity. Off you go. Go and learn how to use it and create something wonderful. So despite the fact that there's always going to be that little bit of friction on the edge of the impending future, it sounds like you and your students are really making the most of it. I think so. I think on a good day. And I, I think uh, we are – so this year we're doing a 12-lecture series uh, in year 9 and 10 where we're learning how to make a record company – by making a record company. So we have a, a, <laughs> we have a music industry expert coming in uh, 12 times over the course of the year to tell us uh, what, record, what a record label is, uh, what copyright is, what intellectual property is, how to run a, a business, and then the students are doing the work. And so, of course, uh, the first thing we did was uh, – was asked the question, how can technology enable us to run this record label? So uh, our students are set up in Microsoft Teams in their executive groups, and uh, we can communicate electronically via Microsoft Teams, and all of our uh, all of our administration and documentation is facilitated in the cloud, and we access it via Microsoft Teams. So even at even at that point where we say let's start a record label. 
the software is part of that. So we say, let's start a record label and what software will we use to facilitate that? Sounds awesome, Brad. Sounds like the next conversation we need to have is one where perhaps I uh, talk to you whilst all this stuff's going on around you actually in your music space. It's been great to talk with you this morning, Brad. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Colin. You've been listening to Central Station. If you'd like to know more about the music program at Northern Beaches Christian School, visit the website, nbcs.nsw.edu.au. And for more information about our guests and interview transcripts, head on over to central.com.au slash podcast. I'm Colin Klupik. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you.